Welcome to the weekly sermon from Generations Church. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Scott Hale. Thank you, Father God, for your goodness. Lord, we know your presence is already here, but for this message, Father, Lord, uh, I'm desperate for you to speak your word to the people, to all of us, myself included. Lord, may through your Holy Spirit drop your word into our hearts. May it be your agenda, not Scott's agenda today. May it be your words, not my words, that we walk out of here chewing on and remembering. Thank you, Father, for that. Lord, I know we all come in here having had different kinds of weeks, good weeks, bad weeks, rough times, whatever it is, good times, but we thank you, Father. Whatever those things are, we lay down, we lay those things at the, at the cross. Whatever those distractions are, Father, we lay them down. Open our hearts that we may receive from you today what you have for us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Okay. All right, if you have your Bibles, you can turn over to Matthew chapter 13. And so today, I'm excited because uh, we're, we're launching a brand new series today. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was at the height of his popularity. He was walking around, he was teaching, he was being followed by these big crowds, and they were kind of a mix of supporters and cynics. And there was a moment, in fact, we can pinpoint the afternoon, it tells us on the day, on this certain day, there was a moment where he knew that it was time to help them open their eyes and help them honestly admit where they stood with him, the the people in the crowd. On this particular day, on this afternoon, Jesus, it says he was sitting in a boat off the just offshore of the Sea of Galilee. The, the, the Sea of Galilee has, has some really interesting, unique acoustical qualities. There's this town, or there's this cove near uh, Capernaum, where the little town on the, on the shore there that allows someone's voice to carry for a long, to a whole crowd if you just push a few yards offshore. The, the embankment behind the crowd would have acted as a natural amphitheater. And so there they were, the, and just, there was just such a crowd eagerly standing on the water's edge, waiting for Jesus to speak. And as he did, it says that he told them many things in parables. Many things in parables. And we're going to read just such a parable today. And then it says, after he did this, when he finished this parable, he said, whoever has ears, let them hear. Whoever has ears, let them hear. These are some beautiful words of Jesus. He repeats this phrase several times in his ministry, especially when he is talking in parables. And uh, parables were a kind of a riddle in story form. He would make up these stories, but they were very interesting. And what he does when he's teaching in parables, he's inviting us to engage to be active listeners. He's inviting us still here today, 2,000 years later, to be active listeners. One of the things I like about this phrase, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, is Jesus is also acknowledging that at any given time in his audience, there are people who have ears to hear and there are people who don't. Um, there, There were people who just, 
you know, they come to, they're at a, they were at a place in their spiritual life or their, whatever, they're, they're growing in their faith and their understanding. They were just going, la, 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 la. I don't really want to understand what you're saying. Um, probably just like today, right? And that's fair enough. People came to Jesus for a variety of reasons. Some of them came because they needed a healing in their family, right? And they heard that there was a healer. So they came to get healing. Uh, they had a sickness, but they were really interested in the message. Um, some people came because uh, they, they just wanted some entertainment, right? They, 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 didn't, they wanted to see the magician do another trick, right? This was like, you know, Netflix for them. What else did they have, right? Um, and so they, some people came because they wanted to hear the storyteller. They heard he was amazing at these stories. Tell another story, Jesus, right? But they didn't really care so much about the meaning embedded in the message, maybe, some people we know from the scriptures were there because uh, they were eager for political change. And they came because they heard, hey, there is this hot new voice, right? And he, he just pushed all their culture war buttons, right? And they came to hear this guy talking. You know, they had been listening to MSNBC and Fox News all week long, and they heard Jesus was there on Friday night. So they came, not understanding that his kingdom wasn't really about human governments at all. That would come to be a source of disappointment for some of them later. So sometimes Jesus, people came to Jesus for, we might say, all the wrong reasons. And sometimes people might even visit a church today. They might visit Generations Church for similar reasons, and that's okay. Because our job is, if, even if, if someone comes for the wrong reasons, is to help you stay for the right reasons. And the right reason is Jesus. The right reason is always Jesus. And so for whatever reason you're here today, we are so glad. We are so glad you're here. We, we believe you're going to receive exactly what it is you're looking for Jesus, from Jesus. But we also believe that while you're here, the Holy Spirit is going to move and help us to become more like Jesus. Because that's really, that's really our agenda. We want to help you be more like Jesus. Amen? There's no one like Jesus to show us what God is really like, to show us what we as his people should, should be like. There's no one who does that like Jesus. No one. Jesus calls this particular way of living uh, where we're reflecting him, we're being like Jesus, we're reflecting him in all that we do and all that we say, where we're living like in partnership with God on a daily basis, like, like two gears. You're just like, you and God are like moving like partners. He calls this beautiful, strange, miraculous way of living the kingdom of God on earth. Matthew calls it the kingdom of heaven. He's referring to the same thing. The kingdom of God. And Jesus taught the crowds about this kingdom through parables, which are these puzzling stories that he made up that, interestingly, often confused folks as often as it enlightened folks. Uh, and now why? Why would he use parables to talk about this kingdom? Because the kingdom is crazy. The kingdom is like mysterious. It's, it's hard to describe, right? It's kind of like a song. Have you ever tried to like describe somebody a song? Like what a song, how, how it made you feel? Like here's the song, it's really good. I remember trying to describe, my, my sons are both really into music and I remember my oldest one when I told him one time, uh, you know, I'm trying to describe for him what it was like in 1991 after being raised on nothing but like heavy metal. The first time I heard those first two notes of a Nirvana song, da dum bum, and just this like mind being blown, 
going, what? Can music sound like this? And I could describe it to them all day long, all right? It was 72 beats per minute. They went from a D to a G, and it was, he's not going to get that, right? I have to sit him down and say, no, 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 you're going to listen to this. You're going to listen to Smells Like Teen Spirit. Here's how it is. Your mind's going to be blown like it was mine. Anyway, that's not spiritual, but anyway. Could you describe a, a Van Gogh painting to somebody in a way that would make tears come to their eyes? That they would, they would picture the brush strokes and the, the play of light and shadow? No, you got to see it, right? So when Jesus is talking about the kingdom, when he gets to talking about that, he doesn't just describe it like he's listing the ingredients off the back of a cereal box. No, 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 no. Jesus, he uses these word pictures. It's very evocative, and sometimes it's very emotional. What I misunderstood, I think, growing up too, I think other people might too, was the parables that Jesus wasn't just telling nice, pretty stories to make everything simpler. He wasn't just telling these nice analogies, these like perfect analogies that made everything super clear and simple about God. Very often, he told a parable and they would disorient the, le- the listener of the day. He would leave them. They would be more baffled, right? Sometimes they infuriated folks because he would make the, like the typical bad guys of the day the good guys and that kind of thing. He filled them with these mixed metaphors in the middle of the parable that made people go, wait a minute, so wait, who's the judge in the parable? Or what, what's, the, what's the seed? I don't understand. Is God having the banquet or is it someone who is the opposite of God? That'll be later. Um, the parable required folks to, to lean in. It required something from the listener to question all the things that they normally assumed. It it required them to sort of dump out the jigsaw box and and wonder together how to put it all back together again. There's a word that pops up again and again in these parables that Jesus says, and he mentions the word understand, that you'll understand. In the Greek, it's fascinating because it's not just like our normal word for like, do you get it? The understand is this word suniami, suniami. It's a fun word to say, suniami. But what it means in the Greek is to put together, to reassemble the pieces, like mentally putting together a puzzle. And so Jesus is inviting us in these parables to, to fully participate in our own learning experience. These aren't just like nice little, you know, word stories that we could just sit back and let wash over us. Now, why is Jesus using parables at this point? Well, embedded in the passage that we're going to be looking at today, the disciples ask him this very question because they realize that afternoon, whoa, something's very different. Jesus, why are you talking in parables? There's a shift in his teaching style. Up until this point, Jesus had used imagery. He had. Uh, He had talked about, you know, he had used object lessons. He had talked about the wise builder, um, you know, builds his house on the rock. He had talked about uh, wine and the wineskins being like the new message needing to be in new structures or something. He used word pictures, but this is the first time he breaks out into full-on parable storytelling as the primary vehicle that he's teaching with. And this is really different. Like I said, it's almost like he's less concerned about making things clear or dumbing things down. You know, when we talk about you know, amazing, majestic, ethereal things. We talk about the Trinity. You know, we, we kind of want to make things easier to understand. Well, the Trinity is like an egg. You got the shell and you got the white, right? A parable isn't like that. It's not like me coming up and doing flannel graphs or playing a VeggieTales video so you understand the story better. It's more like if I came up here to preach and I used like mime and interpretive dance, 
And then I just said, you're dismissed. You'd be like, what the what just happened, right? And you probably wouldn't be back next week. Jesus faced a lot of that too. He, he, he didn't shy away from the mystery and the complexity of the kingdom. It was like, yeah, it's crazy. And I'm going to give you a bunch of word pictures to help you understand. He acknowledged the mystery of the kingdom of God. Well, the reason for this shift, like I said, he didn't start preaching this way. The reason for his shift, we can see it. It goes, it goes back to what just happened right before this in Matthew chapter 12. Like I said, we even know the afternoon because it says the same day he started preaching this way. Even chapter 11 right before that. Jesus before here had been preaching in a very uh, plain, straightforward fashion. Everybody liked it. Everybody loved it. And the people don't believe him. They're not believing him, or they're not, they don't like his message, or they don't want to believe, or they don't trust that he really knows what he's talking about. There's something about what he's saying that people are hearing, and they're going, mm-hmm, okay, that's, that's nice, and they're going home and absolutely doing nothing different, whatever he says. And the religious leaders of the day, at first they think he's He's just possessed with the devil. They say, oh, well, he must be, you know, possessed with Satan or something like that. But they're, because they're rejecting his proclamation of this kingdom because it doesn't look anything like what they were expecting. What Jesus is introducing to the world, it's not just, he wasn't just talking about, you know, the regime change, which some people were looking for. He isn't just introducing a new commandment to be nice, which maybe some people thought, okay, that'll be good. We'll be nicer to each other. He wasn't just introducing a new religious ritual to follow which the, the people back then were used to, uh, you know, a rabbi coming along and introducing a new thing they should follow. Um, what Jesus was introducing is a fundamental overthrow of the whole religious system. And it, this new covenant of the kingdom he talks about, it's disruptive, it's countercultural, it still is today, it still is today. And he's, he's, he's disrupting all the things that the religious leaders like protecting, right? The, the sacrificial system, the keeping of the Torah, the rules, the laws, the regulations, the routines, the power structures. He's talking about a God now who engages with us directly, and that is a threat to the religious system, right? That puts the holy man out of a job. And so at this point, on this afternoon, Jesus seems to shift gears, and he's saying, I'm teaching you now in a way that's going to require my audience to do some work, to make a choice. It's going to separate the crowd from the committed. It's like he's saying, do you really think I'm worth following? Then you're going to have to put the work into this. You're going to have to lean in and do some chewing, some unpacking. I'm not just going to spoon feed this to you. And, and, and you've got to be willing for God to open your eyes and expand your horizons. And he's, he seems to say, if you're not willing to do that, then, then that's fine. You're just not going to understand what I'm talking about. And you'll keep trying to shoehorn your agenda into my vision of the kingdom. To shoehorn our agenda into his vision of the kingdom. But to those, he says, who have ears to hear, the willingness to receive something that is, it can't be categorized or, you know, easily labeled or referenced to those, to them, more and more of me will be revealed. May that be us, Lord Jesus. One other important point I want to make, um, 
I think, what, I think of what the Apostle Paul, he wrote to Timothy, who was a young pastor. Timothy's this young pastor, and Apostle Paul is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing these lessons to him to kind of help him along the way. And he, he tells him in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he says, reflect on what I'm saying. He said, I want you to reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. So Paul, he says, I've been teaching you this stuff, but now it's time for you to take that and, and reflect, meditate, churn it over in your mind on what I've been saying. Because when you do that, what you're doing is making space for God himself to make it real to you, to bring the full understanding. You're making space for God, not just the preacher. Well, that's, you know, you're given a few minutes this morning, but make space for God right? Because his voice is more like a, a gentle whisper than a loud thunder, right? And that's what I hope you'll do with this today. I, I have this tiny little window with you today that we, I have the pleasure of getting to be with you for 45 minutes or so, where I have your attention, you know, for just a few minutes away from the, the uh, your attention of, of, of a trillion other voices that are speaking to you all week long. But what I hope you'll do is then make space throughout this week to reflect and let the Lord share insight with you. Don't just formulate arguments for or against. Reflect and let the Lord share insight with you. Let Him share with you. Otherwise, what can happen is we will be like Jesus describes the people when they asked Him, why are you teaching this way? Jesus says this in verse 13. He says, this is why I speak to them in parables. And He quotes the prophet Isaiah here. He says, some folks are ever hearing, but never understanding. They, they won't sue me. They won't put that effort into putting the pieces together. They're not understanding. Ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. Calloused. How does something get calloused? It gets calloused through over-familiarity. It's been, it's been used, it's been well-worn ground so long, it is calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. May that not be us this morning, Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen, amen. Okay, so that's kind of an introduction to our series, that series introduction. It sets us up in the last few minutes that we have to, um, I want to focus on the this parable that we're going to, that he begins with, it's the first parable and it's going to be our first parable. So we're in the gospel of Matthew uh, chapter 13. There's the crowd. Remember, we left them on the shore. They're just mesmerized as they're waiting. Jesus is sitting in the boat. That was the posture of a rabbi. They would, when a rabbi was going to teach, he would go and sit and the crowd was standing. It was like the opposite of us. So the rabbi's sitting, he's in the boat. They're leaning in. The first word out of his mouth is listen. So you and I are standing on the shore. He's over there. We hear, listen, listen, listen. Pay attention. Hearken to this, all right? He's going to, remember, he's going to finish this parable by saying, if you have ears, hear. And he starts by saying, listen. So this is important. He says, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell. And he starts to describe all the different places that the seed falls, different qualities of soil. Now, for us today, if you've been in church world for a long time, if that's kind of your upbringing or something like that, you've probably heard this before, and you'd be like, yeah, it's easy, the soil, the seed. Um, you have to think, this was b- 
bewildering for the people who first heard it, right? None of this cleared anything up, <laughs> right? He's been teaching on the kingdom, and he says there's a, a farmer who sows some seed, and that doesn't make anything any clearer to them. Um, and so later, Jesus, in the chapter, he identifies that he is the sower. He identifies the seed as the, the gospel or what he calls the message of the kingdom, the kingdom. But what produces, notice this, what produces different results in this story we're going to look at is not the seed. It's the same everywhere. It's not the sower. Well, we could even say the sermon, right? You're stuck with me. Can't get better. That's just what we got this morning. What makes the difference is what Jesus will later go on to call the cardia, the human heart. So us listening makes all the difference. It's also fascinating here. Jesus will say, this is the message of the kingdom. Now, what's a kingdom? A kingdom is a, is a, is a way of living in a relationship with a king, right? And with other citizens of the, king, uh, of the kingdom. And Jesus is king of this kingdom. Jesus is the king of our kingdom. But isn't it true that whenever we think of, uh, you know, a new kingdom taken over, a new empire, by the way, in Greek, the word is the same. Same word for empire is kingdom. When this new empire takes over, we think of militaristic means. That's just kind of usually the way it goes. A new regime taken over in our fallen world usually always involves violence. That's kind of how kingdoms just take over in our world. But Jesus says, my kingdom isn't taking over, my kingdom's taken over, but it's not a violent, aggressive takeover, right? When this kingdom comes and it takes over, it's like this. You know what this kingdom is like? Jesus says, it's like, it's like a farmer. <laughs> Just sowing seed and letting hearts respond. And the people are like, what kind of kingdom is this, right? That's not justice. That's not like God coming in and taking care of the bad guys, like throwing out seed and waiting around for it to respond. Hearts to respond? It's like the kingdom of boredom, right? Blech. But this is all about a relationship with God. This kingdom is a relationship with God. It's not about conquering enemies. This revolution is gentle. It's peaceful. Completely messes with their minds. When he talks about it, it's more to do with growth and life and nurturing this king he describes as a king who serves and heals and forgives. This is a king who's, who's more farmer than soldier, which will become even more important later in history when he hands the reins of sowing off to his church, you, right? Because now we're entrusted with the seed of this gospel, uh, and, and Jesus is setting a, an example for us as sowers, to represent the kingdom whose fruit is called of the Spirit, right? It's love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, kindness. We don't, we don't force feed our soul down the throat of people, right? Take this. It's of God. I'm going to win this debate. It's good for you. No, this kingdom spreads through sowing seed and hearts responding. So, it says some seed falls on the path, the birds eat it up, other seed falls on the rocks. Uh, they get excited for a little while, the little plant springs up, but it gets scorched by the sun because it doesn't have any roots. Other seed, says, gets choked by thorns, and then some seed falls in good soil and produces a crop. Very good. Now, look at verse 18. Here, Jesus gives the interpretation to this parable, which is really nice because he doesn't always give the interpretation to his parables. 
He doesn't. Many times, as we'll see, and we'll see in this series, that he tells some really obscure, weird story, and then he just leaves the listeners dangling, like on purpose. They're just all going, did what? Say, did you get any of that? And sometimes they'll come to him and like, what did that mean? And, and he'll explain some things, sometimes not. In fact, here's what's really cool here. This is his first parable. And so he's training them how to listen to parables. This is a parable about parables, right? It's like the movie Inception. This is very meta, right? A parable, he's, he's explaining in the parable about what he's doing right now, which is telling parables and how it will produce different results. So it's really, really cool. Um, so verse 18, yes, he says, listen. There he goes, there again, listen, pay attention. Then listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, so that's the seed, when you hear the message of the kingdom, and does not understand it. Now, keep in mind, Jesus is not um, accusing these folks of being stupid or something like that. He's not saying, you know, well, if you're not smart enough, then God doesn't love you. No, remember, the word for understand here means they're not actually choosing to understand it. They're not, they don't want to see it. They're choosing not to want to see it. They're choosing not to hear it and unpack the, the message and put the pieces together because maybe they don't like the implications that would have on their life. Or maybe they're just so busy, they just have so much going on, they just don't have time. They don't have the time for something they've got to dig into a little bit. So he says, so if anyone hears about this kingdom and they don't understand, well, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. Those are the birds that pick up the seed. See, if we hold Jesus at a distance, for whatever reason, we hold him at a distance, we hear his message, but we, don't, we just don't want to lean into that. It makes it easier for the enemy to come along and say, you know what, you're right. Just ignore those uncomfortable ideas. We're just going to take these away, right? You, you live your life. And that's what the enemy is all too happy to do. He says, this is the seed sown along the path you can picture this path of hard dirt. Why is it packed? Why is it hard? Because thousands and thousands and thousands of footsteps have packed it down. And there may be some of you here today who would say, I feel like that. I feel like my heart is hard. I don't feel very receptive. And some of you may can point to times in your life where you just, you have felt beaten down. And your hard-heartedness may be understandable from, from one point of view. But having said that, I pray for an, a healing for you today. Because none of these conditions we're going to look at are permanent. So you can have healing today. You might be thinking, that's where I feel like right now, but you don't have to stay there. You don't have to. God can work a miracle. But some folks, Jesus says, just they don't want to put in the work. In verse 20, he says, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. So the initial response is, is emotional and it's beautiful and it's yay. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So this rocky ground now, this means that the roots can only go so deep. And so this person might be excited at first, because for sure the gospel brings joy, 
right? Yeah, you know, it's, it's good news. It's called good news. And it's like, yeah, I love this whole Jesus thing because it makes me really happy. But maybe you never really get connected relationally. You keep others at an arm's distance. You keep the deeper things of Jesus at an arm's distance. And you're like, maybe I really love all the goosebumps and I like all the supernatural manifestations and stuff like that. But if that's where your depth stops, then your spiritual root system is not going to be deep enough to sustain you when life gets hard and life will get hard, right? Life is hard right now for most people. Jesus didn't promise ease and comfort. He didn't. And, and, and so if that's why you showed up, you're probably in the wrong religion. He didn't promise ease, but he did promise rich relationship. But even in those relationships, he said it's going to come with troubles and it's going to come with persecutions. And sometimes there will be seasons of very few goosebumps. You ever gone through those seasons? Very few goosebumps, right? And so if we're approaching it just purely on an emotional level, it won't be enough in the days when we face trouble and personal persecution. At the end of verse 21, he says that some of us will fall away. The Greek word there is skandalizo, skandalizo, and, and it, it means just that, to, to be scandalized, right? I'll, I'll be so shocked and offended that I don't feel happy all the time in my faith. And it offends me, and it causes me to stumble. It causes me to fall away when I'm going through a difficult time. It's interesting. The Scriptures tell us, uh, gives us a picture of the first century church. When we think about that first century church, sometimes we have these sort of glorious images that everything was just wonderful, and they just kind of like lived on a commune in Oregon and like shared everything, and it was beautiful. Um, and it does. It says that, that there was, uh, it was a beautiful community of faith and love and sharing and unity, but it also says that many Many fell away in those first days of the church because of persecution. Because why do we fall away? We fall away because we don't find what we were expecting to be there all the time. We don't find it. And some of us may be in that place. And so if that's you today, let me just say this. If that's you, this is a great opportunity for us to move past a purely emotional experience with God into something that's so much more deep, that's deeper and richer, something that's even greater than happiness all the time, and that is a deep joy. That's, so, that's a whole other sermon, but oh man, to, to move past that into a joy, it's an opportunity for us. In verse 22, Jesus keeps explaining it. He says, the seed falling among the thorns, he says, well, that refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. The worries, the word used there for worries, it means to divide and fracture. So it's like the concerns that divide and fracture your attention, your time, your resources, everything. Divide and fracture of this life. And that word is eon. It means the, the current culture. The things that divide and fracture you in this current culture we live in, it makes the word unfruitful. So this person, they may grow some roots. This is a person who they, they might on the up, outside look okay. They're growing into a plant. Maybe they're church members. Maybe they're just sitting right there beside you. Uh, but then the thorns around them are actually choking the life out of them. And he says, that's the deceit of wealth. Oh man, this, 
I'm really convicted when I read stuff like this because I know this applies to us as a society. This applies to us because at this point in history, in this spot on the planet, oh my gosh, no one listening to Jesus by that lake shore right there that day, no one could have imagined a society like this. They couldn't have pictured a place where just the common everyday citizen lived at the standard of living that most people live at. They couldn't have imagined it right? So this, so for us, we have to take this to heart that we could, re, we could be appearing to be growing. Everything looks like it's good. We got the smile on our face. We've got, you know, clothes on our back. But we can be having the life choked out of us by the materialism and the narcissism of our culture, by the strife that is all around us, by entering in to battles we have no business being in. And a culture that gives us the tools to distract us. It gives us all the tools we need to distract us with so much stuff, right? That's our culture. I'm not, it's not an incrimination against you. It doesn't make you a bad person. It's just, that's just where we live, right? This is where we are. And so one time, uh, Jesus even lamented how hard it was going to be for the wealthy, for the well-off to, to get buy-in into this kingdom, he said it's going to be hard for them. Compared it to a camel and an eye of a needle and all this stuff. He said it's going to be so hard for those people. So be very aware of whatever is pulling your attention, your time, your treasure, whatever it is, whatever's pulling you away from your true identity as a Christ follower. Because you might be a good little plant, but you're being choked by the thorns. And then Jesus finishes it off. He says, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word. That's that kingdom message. They hear about the kingdom and they understand it. Those are the people who understand it. So there you go. There's that word again. They, those are the people, they put the work into it. They put the pieces together. They're leaning in. They're active listeners to Jesus. He says, this is one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Here's an interesting fact that what this is talking about, producing a crop, is actually a crop of seeds. It's the crop of seeds. That's how they measured a crop's performance back then. Um, I'd never thought about this. I was just reading a com- comment about this, and then I was looking at it, and some others mentioned this too. In other words, back then when you sowed your, your, your seeds, and then you went to the process of harvesting all the wheat or whatnot, you know, you harvested everything up, but then you also wanted to have seeds for the next crop for the next season, right? And uh, because you couldn't just go down to the hardware store and buy more seeds. You had to harvest those seeds. So there was seeds left over. And what we've learned from the writings of their day is that the goal back then for a, for a bumper crop was not just to, you know, bring in all the wheat, but to get enough seed for future crops. And the best crops were thought to have, have a multi- multiplier of 10, a tenfold multiplier, so that the next year you were going to have 10 times more seed to sow than you had last time. And here, of course, Jesus says good soil, when it's got the seed of the gospel planted in it, it's going to produce a crop of not just 10 times, but 30 or 60 or 100 fold. I mean, he is intentionally speaking outrageous supernatural language here, right? Because this is what it is. This is supernatural. It's miraculous. What this parable also reminds me of is that the goal of good soil, we all want to be the good soil, 
The goal of good soil is not to work to produce the fruit that produces more seed. It's actually, the goal of good soil is just to be receptive. To be receptive. And that's up to you to be receptive. And then God works the miracle. See, He's the miracle worker that does the growing of the fruit that comes in the harvest and all that. That's God working. We just need to have soft hearts and open ears. Soft hearts and open ears to the teaching of Jesus. Do you find yourself today feeling like you're keeping Jesus at arm's length? Your heart has been stepped on, packed down, whatever it is. You feel so beaten down. Your heart is closed off, maybe because of hurt, maybe because of disappointment, or maybe just because there's just too much stuff happening right now around you to really spend the energy unpacking, you know, what Jesus says. You need sort of like quick help, (laughs) self-help. You know, I need it to be spoon-fed me really easily. Maybe for you, you just need Jesus to lean in and water that dirt to soften things up a bit in your heart? Do you find maybe that you once had an emotional experience to God, an emotional connection? Maybe there was a time where you were like really, you felt a fervency. You were like on fire when it comes to like miracles and the manifestations of of the Spirit, but maybe it didn't last long beyond, you know, that healing crusade or that big powerful worship concert you went to that had like an amazing show. Maybe for you, Jesus can just lean in and help remove you from that rocky place where you've just been existing and not even realizing it and, and transplant you into good soil so, he, so your roots can grow. Do you find yourself maybe identifying as a Christian? You're like, yeah, I'm, I, I've committed somewhat to being a Jesus follower. But if we looked... If we did an audit of the minutes and the hours and the days of your week, that actually the stuff and the cares and the busyness of this age just seems to squeeze every last ounce out of you till there's nothing left to give. Maybe for you, you you just need Jesus to be allowed to come in and gently pull some of those weeds and thorns out of your life to give you some breathing room, give you space to grow healthy and strong in Him. This week, I want to invite us all, I'm going to invite you to do a little homework. Don't get stressed. It's easy, right? You don't have to bring a paper back next Sunday or anything like that. I want 1,200 words. No, I'm kidding. Uh, This week, I want to invite us to do some, just some work Incorporate it into the prayer and the devotional time, whatever it is that uh, you're already having. But each day, whether it's morning or afternoon or evening, whatever's good for you, here's what I ask you to do. Take a few minutes, read through this entire passage. This is Matthew 13, these first 23 verses of Matthew 13. Just read through it. And then take some time to meditate, concentrating on those verses of the parable itself. It's verses 3 through 9. Just concentrate on that parable itself. We already know what the different soils mean, so you don't really have to spend a lot of time there. Just read those words of Jesus. Read the parable. Pause. Pray. Listen. Meditate on the words beyond the words. 
And at whatever point as you're reading there, you feel the Holy Spirit nudging you to pause. Whatever God kind of stops you on, he's speaking to you. Just don't be in a hurry. Just listen to him. Open your heart to the voice of God that wants to talk to you. And some of you might be looking at (laughs) this picture and you're thinking, "I, I see myself in all four of these, right? And that may very well be true, right? I see myself in different parts of the soil depending on different days of the week, different seasons of my life, right? These are not, like I said, these are not permanent categories that you are in. We're not taking an Enneagram test or something here, right? What's so important about this is that we allow God to reveal to us where we are today. Where are you today? Just walk, that's, that's kingdom living is where you are walking in step with God and you're allowing him to speak to you as you're praying to him. And he can reveal where you are, always praying that God moves us toward being good soil. Being good soil. Amen. At this time, we're going to partake of communion together. Something so wonderful that we just don't even want to take for granted So if you grab that little cup and cracker when you walked in, you can take that out now. If you're joining us at home by live stream, you can take out uh, whatever you have there, the cracker, the bread, uh, the toast, the juice, bring it and hold it in your hands. We're going to be praying. Now, as we pray, this right here is a fantastic opportunity to actually do what I, I just suggested that we do each day this week. We're going we're, we're gonna to meditate. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to be speaking to us as I pray. Let Him reveal where you are at at this moment, right now at this moment. Let Him soften up the ground that needs softening. Let Him plow up the ground that needs weeding. Amen? And implant that good news of the kingdom in our heart today. All right? Can we, can we just pray together right now? Will you bow your heads with me? Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. Lord, our hearts are open. And Lord, if our hearts are not open, I thank you that you would reveal that to us, Lord. Help us to recognize that and help us desire again to become good soil. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you are sowing seeds into our hearts. Holy Spirit, thank you for watering those seeds. Oh, Father, bring the growth that we cannot accomplish on our own. Father, we invite you to soften our hearts and to hear your spirit speak to us more every day. Lord, I I look forward to this time for all of us and spending more time with you throughout the rest of this week in focused prayer and meditation, Lord. Father, I ask that as you water our, our hearts and we produce more seed, you would even give us a vision, Lord, for sharing that seed far and wide. Not with pressure, Lord, but, but it, with a sense of privilege, Lord. It's such an honor to share this good news. And all of this is made possible, of course, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus, Lord Jesus, we take this moment to reflect on what you have purchased for us. The miracle that your shed blood and your broken body are performing inside us daily. We do this in remembrance of you, Lord. And we commit, Lord, to continue to live out your example of sacrifice, other-centered love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's take the bread together.
your broken body given for us, Lord. Let's take the cup. Thank you for your blood that you shed for us, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for your blessing. I thank you that as we partake of this Eucharist right now, Lord God, that we experience shalom in our bodies and in our lives and in our families. And Lord, we take this time, Lord, just to speak peace, peace in our community, in our nation. Things are so absolutely insane. We thank you, Lord God, that you grow us. Grow us, Lord God, that we can be a witness for you to this world. Help us, Lord God, to represent your kingdom, to represent Jesus, to represent hope that can only be found in him, Lord God. May we be an instrument of peace and love humility and faith for this world that we live in, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 The worship team is going to lead us in one more opportunity to, to praise God. If you'll just stand to your feet this morning, my friends, hallelujah. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he turn his favor and his mercy toward you in this day that we're living in. Grace and peace to you.